straight out of Austin, Texas. It's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, Statesman Sports Columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first, On Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 286, brought to you by Hook'em.com, our good friends at Bud Light. Drink them if you got them. Cedric Golden here with Kirk Bowles. Duck, it took us a lot of episodes, about six years, but we landed a big fish. Seth (laughs) Davis, CBS Sports, The Athletic, acclaimed author, uh, Sister Jean, Wake Up With Purpose, is dropping February 28th. Can't wait to read that. Seth, how are you today, brother? I'm doing great, but that Bud Light sounds nice. Can you send it up to my room by any chance? <laughs> my, my answers will get better the more that I drink. Uh, I, I, I figured the UTSIDs would have sent you some Bud Light. They're, they're known you know for what? that, aren't they? Scott, turnovers for Scott McConnell. We're going to have to uh, gonna have to talk to him about that. <laughs> you are going to have to talk to him. Oh, man, it's a thrill for us. I mean, we've had a lot of big guests like, you know, Nance and uh, Brent Musburger and Herb Street and Feinbaum, but Dicky V, yeah, Dicky V. But this is special, man. I've loved you from afar forever. You are the perfect blend of humor and information. And March Madness, I just you know, it's not March Madness until you're on my TV screen, dude. Well, what a what a lovely thing to say. I can't tell you how much that means to me coming from from you guys. And uh, I know you can relate, as I often say to people. Never worked a day in my life, and I'm not breaking the streak right now with this conversation. So, yes, sir. We, we get we get to you know all all I wish for my friends, my family, my kids is wake up, wake up with purpose, wake up in the morning excited about the day. That's all we can ever hope for. Absolutely, such a blessing to do what we do for a living. And I told um um and uh, Kirk, he's speaking to my reporting sports class at awesome. UT. Um, awesome. Also today and they were really bummed um, about the weather because uh, there are 16 kids in the class and eight of the 16 subscribe to the athlete. Wow. Yeah. Using my ears, that man. Is, yeah, that is. Make weird. sure they renew, make sure they keep their credit cards uh, updated <laughs> and, and the expiration date. Make it's sure a great place to work. code is up, up to date. And yeah. but man, uh, so you guys were at the Texas Baylor game last night. Um, and the horns gutted out a win. Uh, Seth, what are your impressions of this um, senior-laden team and the job that uh, Rodney Terry has done in light of just some really unforeseen circumstances that have happened with Chris Beard being fired? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 really impressive. I mean, setting aside the wins and losses, and, and they won most of their games since Rodney has taken over, Cedric, but like – you know, pick your cliche, uh, you know, don't let go of the rope. Right. I mean, and, and that's what I see with these guys. And that the, the Baylor game was a perfect example. Marcus Carr had one of his worst games of the season. Right. Everybody else stepped up. Timmy Allen um, is, is just a very underrated, unappreciated player on both ends of the floor. I was surprised to see him guarding Keontae George all night, but yeah. um, he did as, as good a job on, on Keontae as, as I've seen. Um you know, the fact that Marcus Carr having the night that he had still had the confidence to hit the most important bucket of the game, I thought was huge. And there was another moment. I said this to Ronnie after the game late in the game when Tyrese Hunter had a wide open look from 
the left wing wide open and it was late and they needed the bucket. And as soon as he got his hands on that ball, he passed it super quick to Jabari Rice at the top of the key and Rice made the three pointer. And that to me tells me that Tyrese Hunter is only focused on winning right yes. now. You know what? I wouldn't blame him if he were worried about other things, you know, all right. of these players have other goals. And if you're not a three point shooter, you're not going to make a living playing pro basketball. He doesn't shoot it well from three, but in that moment, Mm -hmm. he, he, he was all about winning and that's really hard to do. And and I've written about leadership and, you know, studied this, um, you know, the best leaders and it, you know, it goes back to, you know, Dale Carnegie, how to win uh, friends and influence people is when you can align your interests, you know, like I understand not to say, you know, who are you to think about your MBA future? You say, I understand. I am as worried about your MBA future as you are. Let's talk about how to get there. And really the most important thing is show that you know how to win. And so they've held together under unbelievably difficult circumstances. It really speaks to Rodney's character as a man that he's been able to convince them, hey, we still have a lot to play for. We, and the only way to get through this is to oh, stick yeah. together. They don't have a huge margin for error, but um, they've done a great job maximizing what they do have. And I think they've got a really good chance with a little bit of luck. My grandfather used to say, little mazel, little mazel. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could see that. I could see them in, in I mean, they're in first place in the Big 12. You're, there you go. you're, doing, that, you're doing that on January 31st. You're good enough to be in the Final Four. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the kind of a league the Big 12 is where, you know, it's top to bottom. It's as good as the league has ever been. And actually, I don't know if there is a bottom. We saw Texas Tech win its first game against Iowa State in overtime. So they were it, way down, too. They came back from over. Yeah, 20, 20, 20, 20, I think they were down in the second half. 23. Yeah. yeah crazy, crazy. You're just super crazy. And I, as far as as far as the crib, the first time you'd been at the Moody Center, anything jump out at you about that, Seth? Yeah, it's amazing what $350 million will get you now. I mean, you can really, they know how to stretch the dollar and, and all oh, the points together. Um, you know, I, I obviously it was super impressive. Um, the smartest thing they did was limit the attendance for, is it around 11 or what, what is the attendance for? 10, it's like 10, 5, 10, it's 6. Like 10, 5. Yeah. For concerts, I gather it's over 15, maybe something like they that. They can go up to 15. Yes. Right. So um, that's just smart. You know, um, you're creating you're, you're creating an atmosphere, you're creating a home court advantage and you're creating an experience for your fans. And if you have an upper deck that's empty, it just right. saps the life out of the building, you know. Um, and I've seen a lot of schools make this mis- mistake. You know, when I remember way, way back in the day, I'm much older than you guys, but way back in the day, um, <laughs> North Carolina State was building its new arena and, th- and their goal was to have one more seat than the Dean Dump. Right. <laughs> like y'all going to have one more empty seat than the Dean <laughs> because there are no empty seats in the Dean Dome. Exactly. Um, you know, conversely, I've written a lot about uh, Gonzaga and how they built this incredible powerhouse, which is might be one of the most unappreciated stories in all of sports. This little Jesuit school in, in Spokane, Washington, when they made their first initial run, it's like, well, what do we do next? And Mark Few convinced them we need an arena. But they didn't try to build a 20,000-seat arena. They built, you know, a, a, I think it might be under 10 at the Kennel. And they, they, they recently had a 74-win uh, streak snap. So super impressive and and a, and a terrific investment um, that the school and, and the city has made. The, the only thing, the only bad thing about it is I will not be there on February the 16th when, when my good friend Bruce Springsteen uh, is holding a concert. Tragically, I'll be earning a living working uh, in New York City that night. But I'll be there in spirit. 
You can there always you come back in the spring when 78-year-old Madonna rolls through there. Is she coming in? For 600 bucks <laughs> a ticket, yeah. You know, she's, she's always calling me, texting me. Let's, uh, go, let's, go, to, let's go to a Zumba class. I don't want to encourage her. First up, 103-year-old sister Jean and then 78-year-old Madonna. Right. That's, that's how I roll. Future, that's, my, my that's my demographic these days. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Older well, the like, better. Like you said, Rodney Terry's done a terrific job, takes over midseason for Chris Beard. I'd like to get your thoughts on just the dynamic there as far as, one, the future of Chris Beard, and two, can Rodney Terry land this job, in your opinion, and should he? Well, to answer the second, he absolutely can. Uh, it's a, kind of an interesting parlor game, like, uh, you know, what would it take? And we're really talking about the tournament, which I think, by the way, is a very bad way to do it. Um, we've seen great teams and get upset in the early rounds on weird things. And we've seen teams that aren't so great make it to the final four. So for some reason, that tournament uh, wow. is far more of a driver than, than it should be. So let me say that. Um, you know, but if they get to a sweet 16, I remember again, I'm old enough to remember Steve Lavin, very similar situation. He took over for Jim Harrick at UCLA at the start of the season. And he was like the third assistant because the other two had left. Right. Um, and they hadn't replaced them yet. So he was very inexperienced and they went, if they went to the elite eight, I want to say, um, he got the job. I mean, there's a, obviously Steve Fisher is the, is sure. the best example. Um, yeah, exactly. So uh, obviously, if Texas wins the championship, that's going to make it very easy for if they go to the final, if they go to the final four, it's a no brainer. Right. Um, hey, if, so, they win, if they if they win the championship, he's replacing Steve Sarkeesian. So yeah, yeah, he might, he might. Um, yeah. So so yeah, I definitely think that he can. It's very. I think the 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 best thing he has going for them is that he came here with Chris Beard, sure. uh, and and he recruited these players, so he already. Right. Had that relationship with them. He wasn't like, you know, adjusting on the fly. He helped bring them in. A lot of these guys came here because of him, mm -hmm. uh, which is why Chris convinced them, you know, it's very unconventional to leave a head coaching job to be an assistant. Oh, yeah. um, and so, so the best thing he's got going for me is, is he's got good players. Uh, you know, give me, give me the team that has the really good players and the really bad coach over the reverse every day of the week. <laughs> so, so it'll be interesting. And, and by the way, part of this dynamic is, I know it's fun, and believe me, I do it. I'm more guilty of this than anybody. Is you know the conjecture about who else, who all could they get? Right. Uh, it's a lot harder to find a quote unquote big name coach to come in. The, the Chris Beard situation was an mm -hmm. anomaly because he went here. Right. Ninety nine percent of the time, someone in his situation at Texas Tech does not leave that situation. Partly yeah. because they've got it good, they're getting paid. They've got a long-term contract. And the other side of that is because they have a great contract, the buyout is huge. So yeah. you can say, well, you know, Nate Oates at Alabama maybe, but his buyout is like $9 million. Even yeah. for Texas. Because yeah. <laughs> it's $9 million to buy him out, and then you got to pay him $4 million a year, exactly. right? That's real money, again, even in Texas. So that's another thing that Rodney has going for him. As far as Chris Beard is concerned, look, he, he made a terrible mistake. And the school really did the only thing that it could do. Um, sure. You know, I believe in forgiveness. I believe in uh, in grace. Uh, mm -hmm. I believe in the healing power of time. Um, and and the fact is that you know two things that Chris will have going for him is is first of all you know our society to quote Ted Lasso we have the memory of a goldfish you know something that that's really right. bad and huge when it happens. 
you know, a short time later is like, well, what did he do again? And not that I, I want anyone to forget that because what he did sure. was a very serious offense. Um, but the 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 temperature on that cools off a little bit. And so time can heal those wounds. Um, right. I think a big part of it will be dictated by um, his own journey of, of uh, discovery and growth yes. and, and grace and to look really look deeply into himself and and um, figure out the factors that led to, to, to where we are. And, you know, can he remedy that and atone for that and convince people that he has uh, taken those steps of personal growth? Uh, only he uh, can answer that. Um, and the bottom line is, look, the man's going to win, you know. So oh, yeah. is he going to be back at this level? I'd say probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are plenty of examples of coaches who have gone through some variety of this process and come out on the other side and they're coaching and they're making a living and they're feeding their families and they're they're back on that path. So I'm praying for him, you know, yeah. whatever, what, whatever is in store for him. I, I hope it brings him contentment and peace of mind. But if, if coaching is really what he wants to do, mm-hmm. I, I do believe there, there is a path. It's going to take some time, but I do believe there's a path. Yeah. You know, um, America loves a comeback story. And um, in the, in the, this country, the sports world is just littered with examples of guys who have seemed to always bounce. I mean, Bobby Petrino has a job. I mean, and and so um, I, I agree with you. I don't think he's going to be a power five head coach anytime soon, but he'll be back on somebody's bench in a couple of years. Uh, like, I, I love what you said, the healing power of time. I've never heard that before. That's, that's really powerful. So um, another coach that just really – Kirk and I have talked about this guy. Uh, Jerome Tang, Kansas State. What a story that that is so out of nowhere. His whole life as an assistant, uh, Scott Drew, 19 seasons. And then now he's got K-State playing the best ball uh, since Rolando Blackman. That's been a minute. That has been a minute ago. (laughs) And um, you listen to him in in athletics, your coach of the year, uh, Midway Point. Um, Have you gotten to to go see him? live or talk to him or, or write about him? I, you know, I, I haven't seen, I haven't seen him this season. I used to see him when, when I'd go down to Waco. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you imagine this man was sitting on the bench for 19 years and no one gave him no. a job? I mean, it's, it's really- incredible. Now he, he, he did have opportunities. Right. Um, and some people said, well, boy, he's really being selective. Like he's mm-hmm. kind of pricing himself out of the market. Um, I, I think it speaks to, I may, I don't know if ignorance is too hard of harsh of a word, but the the lack of imagination from athletic directors. Mm-hmm. Uh, another great example is Tommy Lloyd sitting there for twenty years at at Mark Few's side, building up Gonzaga, like taking Gonzaga to the Final Four. Like, hello, he might know a little something. Uh, and 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 in his case, you know, he really specialized in international recruiting. He was the first assistant coach to make that his. Uh, his niche. Mm. So um, I hope that it, it leads to opportunities for assistance. You know, you always hear the expression about, you know, if you hire this guy, you're going to win the press conference. I know you guys sure. have heard that. You're at oh, the yeah. press conference. Oh, we want to win the conference. I'm like, how about, how about winning your league? How about winning a national <laughs> championship? Like, I mean, what you're going to win the game? press conference, but let's have, <laughs> so it's like they want the name, but instead of, Instead of hiring a, a guy who is a big name, like find that find the guy who will become that. I mean, Mike Krzyzewski right. wasn't a name. Tom Izzo wasn't a name. I mean, there's a, so many examples of that. And that's what great leaders do. You're supposed to spot talent. 
So, well, yeah. he's never been a head coach before. Like, you know, it'll be interesting at some point. I'll, you know, we'll do sort of, you know, a list of these guys. What assistants would fall into, into that category? Like the one that, that really comes to my mind is Darren Savino at UCLA. He's been with Mick Cronin a long mm-hmm. time at Cincinnati and now at UCLA. You tell me he can't be a power five head coach. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Right. So, um, you know, there, there are others who fall into that. I'm going to be looking for them. So, <clears throat> and, and, you know, Jerome Tang is, is just a, an amazing human being. You know, he's a lot like Rodney in that regard, you know, his faith is, is very important to him. He's a believer. Uh, and he's just genuine. You know, I, I think in today's day and age guys, with this NIL and the transfer portal, you know, these kids have leverage over you. This whole Bobby sure. Knight walking into the gym, my way, the highway, like that will not work. Not you today. Have to, you, know, you have to be humble. You have to be, you know, the expression that the general eats last. You have mm-hmm. to eat last, but still still hold them accountable, still coach them because that's what they want. Um, but like, you know, another example, I know I'm getting off the path a little bit, but Hubert Davis, you know, last year, how did he turn that around? Did he make some adjustments? Did he all of a sudden get brilliant at basketball? I think the way he turned it around is he never made it about him. When the yeah. team was struggling, he didn't make and, – and those kids now, I mean, if you guys are parents, like, kid, you can't fool kids. You can't fool your students, right? Um, mm-hmm. If you're about what they're saying about you and you make it about you and you're phony, like, that's just not going to work. So uh, I root for people like that. Could yeah, you imagine mean- Bob Knight in the transfer portal era? Would he be able to fill the team? Well, uh, you know, it's it, it's it's interesting you bring that up because if you look at Bob Knight's last several years, seven eight years at Indiana, they didn't do much. You know, I don't know, I don't know that he made the Sweet Sixteen, but once in his last ten years, something along those lines, he went to Texas Tech, injected some energy, but um, you know, at some point he didn't adapt, and you know, it uh, he's still a great coach with the guys that he had, but yeah, you got to adapt in this whole. You know, a lot of the older coaches, frankly, complain about the NIL and the port and say, hey, no, every do. second that you spend complaining is a second that you're wasting and not adapting. So let's ditch the complaining <laughs> and lean into the adapting and and maybe you'll win a few games. Because this yeah. ain't going away. This is going to be this is this is the new reality. Right. Kids have have some power now. Good for them. Good yeah. for them. They have their power. They're making money. And, you know, my my partner and, and great friend Clark Kellogg points out they're also getting a great education mm-hmm. about the business world and marketing and, and sure. uh, the value of their brand. Well, you're going to get paid X amount to do Y, but it, does that really help Z, you know? And then now you have all this money. What are you going to do with it? You're going to blow it on a car or are you going to, you know, invest it here or are you going to? Um, you know, a, a young man from Indiana paid off his his sister's student debt. Like it's 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 a great uh, it's a great education these these young men and women are are getting. It's life one hundred and one. It really is. And I've, I've been saying Kansas State's the basketball equivalent of the TCU football team. I mean, K State picked last. You know, TCU football was picked seventh and makes the the, the championship game. And and I love Marquise Noel. You know, there's a little five seven runt of a point guard from Harlem. I mean, he is impossible not to root for. So, do you think? Do you think in, in sports, awesome? By the way, <laughs> you know, everyone. I make all these dumb dumb predictions. Oh, you were wrong. I'm like, I love being wrong. Like that's the thing. Like Kansas State. Are you kidding me? Kansas State. Exactly. And you know that's. That speaks to the whole question of the Big 12. It's such a good conference. Do you see a not so much a super team, Seth, but do you see a great team that I don't know who the best team is right now? I mean, Texas is on 
first place for a minute, but do you see a team that can, you know, win six games in March? Well, I see several, you know, certainly. Um, you know, the tournament is so nuts. It's it crazy. just is. You know, everyone loves to hate on the Big Ten. Oh, you know, they always lose. In the, and I guess they do. I don't know. But I don't, I try not to. Let's just say March Madness is not a, a, a great time to be in the opinion business because every opinion <laughs> is out the window. And that's what makes it amazing. Uh-huh. So who knows? You know, a big part of it is about matchups. You know, are matched up with comfortable teams, which is why the teams that end up doing so well are teams that can play multiple ways. You you can beat a team 85 to 80. You can beat a team 65 to 60, like Jay Wright's Villanova teams were were a great great example of that. Um, You know, I do think if I think maybe the question is I like to sort of step back and say, well, who has the best a game? Mm -hmm. You know, um, uh, who, who has the highest ceiling? And I do still think that that's Kansas. Um, not by not by a lot, but yeah. you know I do. It's an adjustment for them um, because they're playing differently. They're playing smaller, mm-hmm. and so they're figuring out that by necessity. Yeah, and so you know it's been a problem when you had like you mentioned about Marquise Noel, who's been you know borderline All American really. Yeah. Um, but when when you have like your point guard Dewan Harris is an amazing point guard with his assist to turnover, but he is having a hard time shooting the basketball right now. And when yeah, you've got yeah. the ball in your hands that much, similar to Tyrese Hunter, um, you've got you've got to be able to make long range shots. So uh, played a little bit better in, in in their last game, but then also when they beat Kentucky. But then also I noticed in the Kentucky game, uh, I forgive me if I'm butchering his name, but I, I think it's Ernest Uday mm-hmm. is a six eleven freshman. Kansas, real live body, great body, active. Um, hadn't been playing a whole lot. Played twelve minutes at Kentucky. Now Kentucky has an Oscar Sheebway, so mm-hmm. I think that's very much intentional. I haven't talked to Bill uh, Self about this, but I'm sure it's very much intentional. But hey, you know, small ball thing is works great until it doesn't work great. Right. And so what's our plan B? What's our plan C? We're going to need this big fella in a sweet 16 game. You know, mm-hmm. maybe Jalen Wilson picks up his second foul early on and we need some we need somewhere else to go to get us over that tipping point to win by two and survive in advance. Um, so I'll be interested to see his his progression. But Kansas State, I think, is absolutely legit. I mean, we haven't even talked about Keontae Johnson. I oh, mean, the wow. story, I mean, the story, the story oh my God. was dying. I mean, we all, we all remember when that happened. So, um, yeah, no, no shortage of stuff to write about for, for, uh, guys like us who don't, who don't work for a living. Yeah. You already got your final four. You can, you can lay your final four midseason. Right. Little cast. Right. Well, you know, I gotta see, I gotta see the brackets and you know, it's, it's funny you say that Kirk, because like you can imagine the fire drill of the selection show. We usually don't even get the bracket until like maybe 10 or 15 minutes before the That's show. Tough. And so oh, I get that. I get that thing. And if I tell you it's the best way to do it, I fill it out inside of four minutes because they really? want the, the graphics. People want my final four. And you're oh, yeah. Who's in what region again? And also the print. Is the, my eyes are getting worse. I'm older, and the print's always small. So I need like I put glasses on. We blow ours up. We have to. Yeah, right. And yeah. hey, it's it's as good a way to do it as 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 sure. uh, as, as any other. So, um, you know, I look. I put out a magic eight list of teams that that can win the championship. Texas was on that. I just did right. a power five schools. Um, I will tell you know I, I, what I like to do. I mean, I'm gonna ask you guys this question. Let me let me flip the script. I ask what I call a net worth okay. question. If you had to put your whole net worth on one team today to yeah. win the national championship. So now you're not just thinking about, well, they have the best A game, but 
you know, are they really going to reach it? Like Alabama, we all love, but they're, you know, they're relying on freshmen. Are you going to? I'm yep. giving my net worth to Zach Eady. I am. No, um, Purdue. That's the one. I'm, I'm... Yeah, the, big, the big maple, the big unicorn. Um, what's their Achilles heel? What's what's Purdue's Achilles heel? Great question. They're, they're, they're youth. They have, they have two uh, freshman guards, including a freshman point guard. Now, yeah. They have the great gift of youth, which is complete ignorance. <laughs> no one has told them that they're freshmen. No one has told them that these games are important. No one has told them that you're supposed to be nervous. They sure. don't care. So will an older team that has speed on, on the perimeter, who can who can put who can pressure the guards, maybe turn them over, maybe get them to take bad shots. And also it's hard to throw the ball inside if you don't have it. Where you can't yeah. see him, although the guy's seven four, I don't know how you miss him. Um, <laughs> I got and then, to see you know, him up close and personal last year. Yeah, yeah, right. He is he is all of all of seven four. Um, and you know, foul trouble on him. Bad bad shooting night uh, is always in play. Um, bad poise from the freshman. So, uh, but who's so so Cedric? Your net worth team is Purdue. Kirk, who's your net? You have the highest yeah. net worth of the three of us. So, what's your net worth? <laughs> what's your net worth team? <laughs> I'm going with K State. I'm a dreamer. Wow! I wanted, I wanted TCU to win it all. You're going to be under a bridge. Can you imagine that? I know. I know. And you got to have guards, and Big Twelve has guards out the wazoo. So romantic. So Texas romantic. State. I know. I like I'd love it. to see that. I like it. I like it. You, you got a dark horse like this team could slip into the Final Four, Seth. Anybody you kind of got your eye on? Uh, I don't know how I don't know how dark this horse is, but I don't know the people are as locked in on Virginia as they should be. We know they're going to defend. This is a yeah. really good offensive team. I mean, they're scoring. They're guys. scoring under Tony Bennett. Yeah, yeah, and he's got a super senior point guard and Kihei Clark who who knows how to run things. Um, they got a couple of young guys who are really really good. Isaac uh, McNeely and Ryan Dunn. Uh, McNeely can really shoot it. Um, they got guys who who can who who can bang jumpers, and that's a scary thought. Um, you know, Armand Franklin is a is a transfer from Indiana. Yeah, I remember that. a little up and down physically, but he's been playing great the last few weeks. So, um, yeah, again, I don't know if it's fair to pick him up as a dark horse, but that comes to mind. And you, and you know, Tony Bennett is a guy I had on the peripheral. Like he fits the whole Texas image. He's buttoned down, corporate, good looking guy. Won yeah. a national title. Now he's a defensive guy, but. He won with offense. He's got an offense cooking now. But you think they could pry a guy like that out of Virginia? I think it'd be really hard. You yeah. know, Tony is, is a very uh, humble, uh, likes a low profile. He doesn't yeah. like to do a lot of media. I tease him all the time. You know, I mean, come on, man, help me out. Um, yeah. But uh, I don't know. I don't think of Tony and, and, and Texas. Yeah. I think you need a big personality in this job, which is why Chris was an unbelievable fit. So, yeah. Um, they yeah, you you. gotta call him. You gotta call him. You gotta ask him. Yeah, they can turn you down for sure. Yeah, yeah, I would too. Well, this has been great. Um, we're gonna do this. We haven't done it in a while, Kirk. We haven't oh, done before, it before we do. Before yeah. we do, real quick, let's do about Sister Jean. The book okay, great. Out February. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, she's hundred and three. You told me last night at the game you're gonna fly her over L.A., Chicago. Good morning, America. You're gonna trot her out all over the. World. Don't, do it, Seth. Don't do it, Don't do it, Hey, 
Hey, don't she gonna live out. Writer, Seth, don't do it. She gonna outlive all three of us. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, well, I know she outlive me. I can the already. Pu- tell you that. The publisher is like, well, we don't want to wear her out. I'm like, trust me, you will not <laughs> wear her out. She wore me out. Um, what did you learn? What did you learn that was just so impressive, other than just her exuberance and joyful life and all? You know, I think my number one takeaway from her, uh, the, the book is called Wait, Wake Up With Purpose. The subtitle, when I had the idea for the book, I didn't know what was going to be in it. I didn't know what the title was going to be, but I did know the subtitle. And the subtitle is What I've Learned During My First 100 Years. <laughs> first 100 Years, I love <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, that, love that, it. that's the subtitle. And, and I think my great takeaway from it is is the, the purpose-giving, the energy-giving, the life-giving power of work. Mm. She works she's still at the age of 103 is in her office every day at Loyola her office I've been in there with her is in the ground floor of the student center and so these these bright wonderful young people are walking by her office every single day they come in to say hi selfies she never turns down a selfie she's the selfie queen she loves every minute of it she goes into the cafeteria and and um and, and mixes it up with them. She's on committees. She still emails me like twice a week. Oh my God. I love it. Very active on email, going to meetings, doing appearances, yeah. um, writing letters. I mean, she is extreme. She works. She works now. And, and like, like we said, you know, she loves her work. Awesome. And, um, and it's, and, and of course you gotta be lucky. And, you know, she's, uh, you know, so um, it, it's just a great, you know, I, I'm excited for her. For this book to come out, I think it's going to touch a lot of hearts, minds, and 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 souls. But you know, to, I'm also excited for me because I have this relationship with this incredible human being. Of course, you know, you know a, a, a Jewish kid from Maryland. I told her, I told her at the end of everything, we we're to give her a bat mitzvah. Party, by the way. We we you know we we pray together. We laugh together, and uh, her memory is incredible. I mean, she tells me a story a story in the book about. Uh, she walked across, she's from San Francisco area. She and her mom walked across the Golden Gate Bridge on the day that it opened. Um, oh my God. This, wow. I mean, her memory, her she's memory cool. is un, like she'll rattle off her, all of her relatives and what each one did and how they're related. Oh, he lived there and they and had a job for this and that. And like, she'll, she's incredible. She's incredible. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Thank you for the chance to talk about it. Cause I'm really excited. We well, we do this thing. Yeah, we do this thing called Hot Corner, and we ask you real quick. Fire away. I'm ready for you. Okay, so if you weren't a sportscaster, what would you be today? What? How would you make your living? I I would be a a a, a musical theater actor on Broadway. I want the lead to Hamilton. I have I have most of it memorized, so I could I could probably give me a week to learn the rest of it, and I could be Hamilton. A little bit of a ham. I know that shocks you. Kirk went to Hamilton. He took his wife. I paid nine hundred dollars. It was great, <laughs> but worth it, right? Yeah, it was awesome. All right, here's mine. Yeah. Um, it's movie night at the Davises, and you're inviting three couples over. You're your closest friends. Uh, you got to show two movies. What are they? Oh, this is the easiest question you've ever asked. Uh, number one is "It's a Wonderful Life." Nice. Great. Uh, you know, on on Twitter, it happened organically several years ago. I actually do a live tweet of the movie. Uh, I could clearly recite that end to end. And the other one, um, which my my family and I we always watch on on my birthday, is Almost Famous. Um, mm. Just you know, a coming of age story about a journalist, uh, and in this case, a rock journalist. And uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is unbelievable in it. Oh, and, he was great. Uh, he was great. It's 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 amazing. It's an amazing movie. Okay, so tell us something that the world doesn't know. 
about Seth Davis, uh, a hobby, a skill, a deep, dark secret. What do you got? Uh, again, I, I don't know if this will shock people or, or not surprise people in the least. For about 13 or 14 months in the late 1990s, I performed stand-up comedy. I, le- I lived in um, New York what? City. I lived in New York City. Um and people say, you know, well, you know, were you any good at it? My answer is no, I sucked. But for someone who sucked, I was pretty good. Um, <laughs> is there a YouTube of this? Uh, there is not. YouTube. I do have video evidence of this. I don't know if I I would put it up on YouTube. It's a little cringy. <laughs> um, but, you know, interesting. So, you know, I, I, there was, I took a class at the new school down in Greenwich Village in New York City. And as part of the class, you get five minutes of stage time and then um, you know, you could you could get five minutes of stage time at a bunch of these very, very low level clubs as long as you brought a, a couple of audience members who paid a twenty dollar cover charge and a two drink minimum. Unfortunately, I had a lot of friends in New York from my from my summer camp days. Um, it was an itch I had to scratch, you know, and then I kind of scratched it and, and moved on from it because I wasn't able to fully dedicate myself. Interestingly enough, though, it was right about the time I started. I always wanted to do television along mm-hmm. with my writing. Um, interestingly enough, it was about the time I started to do television. And as you can imagine, there are, are a lot of translatable skills between being on stage with a room full of people and being uh, on a set with Clark mm-hmm. Kellogg and Adam Zucker and Greg Gumble. You know, um, there's a performance aspect to it, but it has to be an authentic performance. Awesome. So, um, so, yeah, it was uh, it was it was it was a long time ago, but I'm glad I did it. Um, last one. Uh, who's your favorite comedian? I got to ask. Well, George Carlin is, uh, wow. is, is, uh, yeah, he is, uh, you know, I, I kept keep mentioning this, this Jewish summer camp that I went to in the Poconos for one or two summers. Everybody, all we listened to all summer is George Carlin's album, a place for my stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if anybody wants to go listen to great comedy, not only his routines, but these little, um, recorded intermediary tidbits that he had in there, um, I'm also a fan of Jerry Seinfeld, not just his comedy, but his work ethic and his work style. I would recommend to your audience, you might be familiar with Tim Ferriss, who is a very popular podcast guy, not as popular as you guys. He had Jerry Seinfeld on a podcast to talk about how he systemizes everything. And and he's a he's a meditator and, and, and listening to him talk about meditation inspired me to uh, get into meditation. So those would be my two, Seinfeld and Carlin. Man, it's been great. We just had a ball. So good luck to you on the book, Sister Jean. We'll be watching you on TV. And thanks for joining us today. And so. come back, come back in March to plug Any, that book and talk. Anytime, man. I don't know why you guys waited so long to ask me. My feelings are a little hurt, but I'm I'm glad we finally rolled out the JV. All we got right. you on speed dial now. <laughs> Thank you, thanks, brother. Guys, hook Appreciate em. it. Right, hook bye. Hello. Okay. On second thought. Doc, how great was Seth Davis? Man, just add him to the list of great guests we've had over these last six years. What a what what, what a fun, fun thing to do and um, to share some of the great personalities in our business. And he's right up there near the top. And, you know, he's so humble and grounded. It's like it's like you and I always say we're just blessed to be able to do this for a living. I mean, it's just yeah. And we have so much fun at it. It's just, you know, Seth doesn't take himself too seriously, but. He's a serious person in this profession of ours. Big time, he's a big time, uh, big, name big time in our business on both yeah. sides of it, broadcast and writing. Yeah. He does it all so well. And 
you know, Sports Illustrated. He was wonderful there, and he's doing great work at The Athletic, and he's a must-read. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do want to see that YouTube of him as a stand-up comic, though. I would like to see that. He may need to polish off the old Betamax and let us see it. <laughs> Something tells me he's probably going to keep that one to himself. But we talked about Jerome Tang at K-State. We've talked about Bill Self's Kansas Jayhawks. Surprisingly, I was surprised that he had them as one of his teams, I I, I, yeah. I I fear for them because of, of their lack of size and the real reliance on Jalen Wilson. So that was interesting. If Seth Davis says it, yeah, I'm, oh yeah, I'm I'm gonna pay. I'm gonna take another peek at it because he mm-hmm. he's, he's entrenched in that. Kansas got the DNA. You know, it's just in their DNA. You don't write them off. But like like I wrote in my column after the Bader game, you know, Kansas lost three in a row before they uh, walloped Kentucky in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. And Baylor, who Texas beat last night, lost three in a row. Mm-hmm. Texas never lost two in a row. Never. And, and they played a great schedule with Gonzaga and Creighton, which is coming on, and Illinois. And, you know, they didn't run run from anybody. So that's, not, that's, that's a feather in his cap. And it sure seemed like Seth was kind of pushing for Rodney job didn't it he was he was he was and maybe yeah. maybe if you're listening cdc uh you know seth seth davis uh, who, yeah. who who sends money to your school <laughs> he's got has, a, put, has, put, has put his uh a feather in the rodney terry hat but yeah. you are headed to the midwest uh this weekend you leave tomorrow uh for kansas you're, you're going to texas at k-state Saturday, 3 o'clock. Saturday, 3 o'clock. And then Big Monday in Lawrence at the Fog. At the Fog. Lawrence at Kansas. Uh, Duck, I think we're going to find out a lot about the Bevos in these next couple of games. No, no question about it. And, and they're at, as of this taping, they're in first place alone. But K-State played uh, Kansas uh, Tuesday night. So, But just the fact that they're sitting here on the – uh, in February one, in in first place, you know, either tied or alone shows you that, and they haven't, you know, they don't play their A game for forty minutes, do they? I know you were watching. Very few teams do. Very few teams too, and I think sometimes that's the danger when you watch a team every game, you see every wart, and you think, yeah, but you know, Marcus Carr kind of in a scoring funk right now. He scored 11 against Tennessee five and Tyrese Hunter hadn't been as great after the first month. And, and uh, boy, Dylan Mitchell can't shoot a free throw, hit an air ball free throw. That was hideous. Oh my God. Night. And, uh, to be fair to Dylan, it was after he hurt his wrist. Yeah. But he's terrible he free throw. Shooter. He he's 50%. Yeah. But he hits the rim usually. But, but do you tell me, do you agree with me though? Like you see all the weaknesses and blemishes because we see every dribble, every pass and you forget other teams have those shortcomings and, and defects too. And so, just, you know, you can talk about resilience a lot, and this Texas team has shown it. But you're right. This is this is kind of a make-or-break, you know, road trip for them if they want to win the league. I mean, they're obviously going to be in the NCAA tournament, probably anywhere from a, a two-seed to a four-seed probably. That oh, they're almost there you go. locked in. But if they want to win it, you know, and Bader's won the last two, uh, and Kansas and Bader won the last two national championships. So, it's, this would be a big challenge for this Texas team. 
look so looking forward to reading what you what you're gonna put down um up there and in, in in Kansas. It's gonna be cold, but um you'll bundle up for sure. Um speaking of Kansas, um Kansas City Chiefs duck are in the Super Bowl again. Yeah. Fifth fifth straight AFC championship game, and now they're going to a third Super Bowl under with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Um Locally, a big story coming out of that game. Joseph Oside, former Texas uh, defensive end, uh, chasing it down Patrick Mahomes in the last 10 seconds, pushes him out of bounds, uh, pushes him while he's out of bounds, gets a 15-yard penalty, and that sets up the 45-yard game-winning field goal from Harrison Butker. Oside just was sobbing on the sideline. And Duck, we spent some time with Joseph Oside. He's a stand-up guy. Great kid. Uh, very, very, very polished. Always liked talking to him here. He yeah. was devastated, and he hurt his knee on that play yeah. as well. Yeah. And but to see the outpouring of love from his teammates afterwards, and Coach Zach Taylor saying, "Man, he loves ball. Uh, the game wasn't decided on one play, and even though it kind of was, but um, um, and to see B.J. Hill standing next to him at his locker while he answered questions." A lot, 90% of the guys out there don't answer the questions after a game like that. They get out of that locker room and they don't take take questions. Joseph Osai with tears streaming down his cheeks. Yeah. Answered the questions. Just very I was very proud of the young man, knowing no, knowing how tough that has to be. And this was his first year of pro football after blowing yeah. out his knee last year. And he was he was crestfallen and just inconsolable. And and you're right. And and this is the kind of uh, stuff where you show your character and he showed just tremendous poise and character and, you know, remorse for what he did. And, and that's a spur of the moment reaction play. You don't, I mean, you don't know if Mahomes is going to just suddenly duck in and get another five yards and you just don't know. And it, it wasn't the reason they lost. It was like the final reason of a bunch of reasons they lost, but you know, one, I thought that was not Joe Burrow's best game. They were throwing deep a lot and, uh, you know, just couldn't get the running game going as much. And I thought the officiating was atrocious. I thought it was very spotty and uneven. You remember that time, you know, Chris Jones just bowled over Burrow after where, play where was that in? personal foul? Where was yeah, that? All that. I mean, that, and I put on, yeah, that was, it was Frank Clark. Yeah, Frank Clark Frank and I Clark. go and I go. I, I tweeted. I go if he does that to Tom Brady, he goes to prison. I <laughs> exactly. Mean, Joe Burrow jumps up like, "Come on, ref!" This guy. He took two and a half steps. Yeah, that was that was. Uncalled. You don't do that to the quarterback. You don't no. do that to the quarterback. And you know, said you know, said how the NBA will come back. Like, oh, that was a foul. LeBron should have been going to the line. You know, you don't see that in the NFL very much, do Not you? Where they go. You know, you almost wish with the jobs on the line, with careers on the line, with uh, legacies on the line. I, I wish the NFL would, you know, be a little bit more open about that. You know, these – and they've got a tough job. You and I wouldn't want to be a referee for – Those for big old guys, big 300-pound guys, and you got to work all that humanity and try to – Yeah. In the most violent sport, just not boxing on the planet, that would be tough. And you could call a flag. You could call a flag on every play. You could call holding on every play for sure. Yeah. 
But I almost wish the NFL would be a little more transparent with that, that, you know, not that you want it every Monday, like, well, there were 13 missed calls in the Kansas City-Cincinnati game. You don't want to get into that because then you're kind of diluting your own product. But, you know, I didn't have a dog in the fight. I like Mahomes. I like Burrow. I, fantasy football is over. I just – but I just – I just thought the deck was stacked against the Bengals. Did I you? did too. I thought the Bengals. I thought the Bengals are a better team than the than the yeah. Chiefs this week, this year. And uh, Mahomes, his greatness shown through. Good, yes. great on him and Kelsey and Chris Jones. The, the leaders of that team stepped up when they yeah. needed to. And so I'm not hating on that, but I really thought the Bengals were a special team this year. And um, yeah. you fell in love with the long ball too much. Yeah, uh, and didn't run and mix in as much as they should have because um, he had started to get some groove going the last couple of weeks with Samaj and Ryan. But uh, Joe, as long as Joe Burrow is healthy, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be a Super Bowl contender. That's just how it is because he is, he is ascended to the number two quarterback in the league. And uh, this time last week, I thought he was number one, but I got to give Mahomes his props. Yeah, no question about it. And now, we're sitting here with Mahomes against Jalen Hurts, you know, two Big Twelve quarterbacks. Uh, you know, and the first and, first matchup of black quarterbacks in Super Bowl history. Yeah, and would you think it would have happened by now? But yeah, you would. That's a you big really deal, would. Doug. That's a big deal. Forty years after the yeah. they, they couldn't play the position, and people are and I, people on Twitter are like, well, "Who cares what color they are?" I go, "Well, maybe you don't care because it's never mattered to you." Yeah, still but, groundbreaking. Uh, it, it it it's groundbreaking, and uh, you know. After Lovey Smith and and Tony Dungy, you were at that Super Bowl. After that, uh, here we are about what, 10, 15 years later, and uh, you got a matchup of of African American quarterbacks from the state of Texas, Channel mm-hmm. Views of Jalen Hurts and and White House's Patrick Mahomes. I think that's really cool. That's really it is cool. cool. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about the Super Bowl more next week's podcast. But yes, sir. Uh, you know the thing is. You know, because you like you said, I agree with the Bengals. They were riding the crest of momentum. They were hot. They were on fire. They were confident. You know, and you remember Burrowhead? They they were confident going into Arrowhead Stadium. That you know they didn't shrink from the pressure. But but the Eagles, I mean, what a what a path they've had. They get a bye as the team with the best record. Then they get a diluted New York Giants team. I'm not a big Daniel Jones fan at home, and they just blitzed them. They just crushed the Giants. Then they get the 49ers, who have to fly all the way across the country. Then they lose their number three quarterback, and that number four guy was awful. Why didn't they put Christian McCaffrey at quarterback? Well, they did for players, so. But But, uh, uh, they should have went to him, I mean, while it was still kind of a game. Yeah, it was sad. I hated to see that game kind of deteriorate into That's that. Yeah. And you got to feel for another another Big 12 Longhorn, Kyle Shanahan, former Texas wide receiver, is like, boy, if he ever gets that ring, I mean, can you imagine the joy and relief? He may quit. He may quit. <laughs> he might. I mean, he had to go through 28-3 to with the Atlanta Falcons and now this. And, I mean – you could argue they're they're they've been like the last three years the best team in the NFL without a ring or you know without an appearance in the Super Bowl, couldn't you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
They're missing. They're missing one piece. They need a quarterback. And they need a quarterback. And now, what do you do? Purdy's got the UCL. He's out six months. And that's Tommy John, isn't it? Yeah, and they don't know what Trey Lance offers and Garoppolo. I mean, they, 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 you know, he's still on his rookie deal, so they'll give him a look. I think Jimmy G's probably gonna. They, did they resign Jimmy G? What's his contract situation? I, don't I can't imagine he'd be back next year. But uh, you know, they will hope to trade him and couldn't get that done. So. But you know they got and Christian McCaffrey. What a stud! God, I really I, thought that. How about that touchdown? Over. How about that touchdown run he had? He 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 he's oh. stronger than you think. You're he, stronger than you think. Oh That's man, he got blown up and just bounced off and sprinted into the end zone. But I don't know. I don't envy them and their decision with you know Purdy now six months and Jimmy G's got another year on his contract. I, I mean, you really? I'm sure they wanted to. Obviously, they wanted to win the game, but boy, it'd been nice to see Brock Purdy on the road under pressure and see how he delivers. You know, he's obviously a poised guy, but I don't, do you think Brock Purdy will be their quarterback moving no. forward? Mm-hmm. You don't. You no, think it'll be Lance? Um, they got to give him a look, but I'm I'm not big on him either. I I think um I think they're gonna find they got to find a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I just hope it's not Tom Brady. I mean, just don't don't do that. And if you're Oakland, don't do that. You're getting what's left of Tom Brady, and that ain't. He's going to play though. Where do you think he's going to play? Him? But I, I hope, I just hope. You know, California. He's from Northern California. I know. I so, know. so the Raiders and the 49ers are probably in play. But I just, man, you're not getting. You don't get his carryover minutes from the last 25 years. You don't get any of that. No. You get a 46, soon to be 46 year old man who can't. Yeah. That's what you're getting. Big arm, can't move. And in today's game, the quarterbacks that can't move are are, are usually dog meat. They get hurt. They get I hurt. could I could still see him going to Miami. And I've heard that maybe Miami's not interested, but they were interested in the offseason. And remember, there was a lot of serious talk there. And mm. you know, the thing is, you know, with Brady, he's not going to Detroit. He's not going to one of the you know Denver, one of the teams on the bottom, and so he's going to go to a Super Bowl ready team. But it's a heck of a game. Him, I, if I was him, I go to the Raiders. If I think I'm, if I think I'm good, oh, enough, yeah. I'd go to the Raiders with with Devonte Adams and and Josh Jacobs in the backfield, assuming they re-sign him and Aaron Waller, Waller at tight end, and playing a couple, of play, a couple of playmakers up front on defense. Um, yeah. oh, I would. Know, um, you know, Mac, uh, Max Crosby is a big-time pass rusher, so uh, they've got some pieces. I they're, bet they're going to get that, better in the draft. But uh, you know, I bet he wants to go to the 49ers, though. I bet that's his first choice. That's, and a, that's a Super Bowl team. If Tom yeah. Brady could give them 25 touchdown passes, that's a Super Bowl team. Yeah, that's, he would, too. And he would with that run game. Can he? Can he? I think, I think he could. McCaffrey, yes, I think he could. I think, I think he, he could. could. And Kittle had a resurgence. You know, in the playoffs, so and we know Brady likes tight ends. We know, yeah. Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, and so that's that's talented. That's Super a, Bowl that's a, that is a loaded team. That's not that's not going to play in the Super Bowl. I could see John Lynch and Shanahan saying, "We sure like him for one year. If he get us over that hump and get us that ring, I could see that." You know, he'd so. be the first quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl with three different franchises. I'm guessing, Doug. Yeah, I can't that see him going happen. back to New England either. Can you? No, 
No, that's okay. that, that ship is sailed. That's hey, real quick. Uh, who are you leaning towards Super Bowl? Oof. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes gets two weeks. He'll still be limping a little bit. Um, too big game. I want to go with the Eagles. Um, right now, I'm leaning toward the Eagles. They can yeah. run the football. They're stout up front, um, and they've got some. They've got some really good corners. Um, and and the forty and the uh, Chiefs are not special on the on the outside. Juju's not great. Um, Kelsey take away Kelsey. Kelsey is um is an animal, but Juju Marky Marquis Valdez Scanling was playing played over his head. Um, so Kadarius Tony should be back. He's hurt, but uh, I think the Eagles just have that formula. They've got yeah, the eggs, and uh, Jalen Hurts has that dog in him. It's a great matchup of quarterbacks, and uh, yeah. but I, I give the Eagles the slight edge. I give and they're probably edge. they're probably more rested. I mean, you know, they had two blowouts. But they're not yeah. battle tested though, and the Chiefs are. So we'll see. Yeah, they were all year though. I mean, that NFC East was tough. So yeah, yeah, but they only what they lose one game in the league. Was it two, one or two? I turn to remember. Yeah, Cowboys oh. didn't beat them. So no, we know that. But got, wait a minute, the Cowboys. Cowboys beat the Eagles. No, I can't remember. How about Kellen Moore going to the Chargers? Man, talk about landing on your feet. You get fired by the Cowboys. Now you get Justin Herbert. You know, in his prime, at the top of his game, with a lot of weapons. If they can ever keep Mike Williams healthy and you know ride that Eckler train, so that Kellen Moore's got to be thinking he's in Disneyland. He's got to be just over the moon. And boy, it didn't take long for him to get that job either. Took like 20 minutes. And I'm hoping D'Amico Ryans is the new Houston Texans uh, guy. He seemed like he's kind of got it together and, you know, he played there. I think that'd be a great hire for the Texans. You think they're going to hire D'Amico? I think they might. I know I really think the pod- they, they would. I know friend of the podcast, John McClain, has been pushing for him pretty yeah, hard. Yeah. John McClain, who stayed retired all of uh, 20 minutes. Um, I don't know. Is he still working or just tweeting? He's working out? for Mattress Mac now. He's working oh, for CalorySports.com. Doing great. Yeah, so he's back in the game. It's all yeah. We'll once once they make that hire, we'll we'll have to get uh we'll have yeah. to get Big John on. So we will. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking at the um, I'm looking at the Cowboys schedule. Duck, we're we're old. We we used to could call that stuff up like email. Oh, we used to cover all the Cowboys, Cowboys beat the Eagles remember? or not. Okay, they lost to him in Philly by nine. What yeah. happened here, Duck? That's yeah. what happens when they don't send us to the games anymore. Let's see. They beat them forty to thirty-four Christmas Eve. That's right. Mm. They yeah. split I with them. Watch it on Christmas Eve. They split. So I was watching Wonderful Life with Seth Davis. <laughs> What'd you say, Duck? I missed. I didn't watch on Christmas Eve. I was watching It's a Wonderful Life with Seth Davis. I <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, this yeah. has been a wonderful podcast. Thanks it's to fun. Seth Davis and uh, all over his new book, all over college basketball. The Duck is headed to Kansas for a great double dip. Uh, Duck, I'm you, you're taking this one. I want to go to the Big 12 tournament this year. You got to let me do it. I've never done it, Duck. So you right here in front of our podcast audience, I want you to say yes, Seth. You can we'll go see. to the Big 12 tournament. We'll see. We'll see. see that I don't like. I don't like that at all. That's what I don't like. Maybe we'll see, send I both gotta go through, guys. 
They can send both of them. Go through. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I get we'll see. But that right, you get the Big Twelve tournament, and I'll do the NCAA tournament. That's what I'm saying. You get the Longhorns because they're gonna they're gonna go a couple of rounds minimum. You get the horns. I'll, I'll go. I'll do the uh, conference tournament. I like it. Okay, like it. sounds good. Sounds that good. will do it for two eighty six of on second thought. We so appreciate you t- tuning in each week. We're glad to be back. Big thanks to Seth Davis for joining us for the Duck Kirk Bowls. I'm Seth Golden, and we'll see you next time. Be safe, folks. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.